Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the LA area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Luke chapter 5, Luke 5, Ephesians chapter 4, and Revelation chapter 21. Once again, if you need a Bible, there should be one in the seat back pocket there in front of you. It's Luke chapter 5, Ephesians 4, and Revelation 21. Our youth are doing a fundraiser. I want to encourage you guys, hot dogs and hamburgers after service. Uh, You are supporting their mission trips. And last year, your support through hot dogs and hamburgers paid for most of our kids to be able to go serve the Lord literally around the world last year. So I want to say thank God for you and thank God for our youth that are willing to give their summer for the Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, Luke 5, Ephesians 4, Revelation chapter 21. Let's go to the Lord in prayer to prepare a heart. Jesus, we are getting ready to enter 2024. And with the new year, there's an opportunity to stop and think about last year. And with the new year, it offers the opportunity to stop and think about what the new year should bring. We're not in control of what will happen, but we do have some control over who we are and what we will be. As a spouse, as a parent, as a Christian, as a child, as a student, as a single mom or single dad. And so I pray that as we hear your word today, that you would begin to shape in us who you're making us to be, something new. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. There is nothing like new. Let's think about it. We all love the smell of a new car. I mean, you just want to smell the leather. There's no, like, in-and-out stain anywhere. No sweaty child has sat on the seat. I mean, the, speed, uh, the odometer has, like, 10 miles or less. There's just something. I mean, sometimes you just want to go to a new car lot and just do a bunch of test drives just for the smell of a new car. There's nothing like new clothes, especially when you're having a bad day, right? You just having a bad day and you go to the mall and you buy yourself a new shirt. Well, I want to let you know guys don't do that. We go to Home Depot and buy a new tool. We just walk through DeWalt and it just, let me tell you something, I love new things. So much so that sometimes Andre and I on date night will just go to Costco just to walk through the halls of Costco to see the new products that they're offering. Oh, what you can get at Costco. Well, advertisers, advertisers know we like new things. So let me tell you what they do. They take a bar of soap like Dove. It's been around for 50, 60, 70 years. They put it in a new package. 
They put a red sticker on the new package, new and improved, and they know we'll buy it. Same old bar of soap, just a different package, but it's new and improved. And we all love something new. But not not everyone in every situation do we like new. I mean, who's that new pastor at Calvary Chapel South Bay? And, and, and who are all these new people? Don't they know that they're in my seat? There's something difficult about finding a new seat because a new person doesn't know that you sit there. Some of us don't like learning a new concept at work or at school, a new system, a new way, much less a new boss who has new rules and a new way of doing things. <laughs> 50% of you just went like this. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus, he faced the challenge of bringing a new ministry into an old tradition. Turn with me to Luke chapter 5. Let me explain the scene. Jesus has just gone to Matthew and invited him to be a disciple. And Matthew was so excited about his new life. No longer was he going to extort. Now he was going to evangelize. He was so excited about his new life, he invited all of his old friends. Now, let me tell you about these old friends. <laughs> tax collectors didn't have great friends. The Bible says he invited tax collectors and sinners. Sinners came to his house. Can you believe it? Oh, it's just like when a sinner walks into Calvary Chapel, South Bay. Some people go, I sniff a sinner. (laughs) Well, you're sniffing all of us. We're just sinners saved by grace. Amen? Amen. And so Matthew, he was having church at Calvary Chapel, Matthew's house. And he was just inviting everybody and anybody. And this was the new way. Pharisees, they didn't didn't approve. So they came up with a little riddle for Jesus. Take a look, Luke chapter 5, verse 33. So they said to him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise some of the Pharisees, but yours, look at you, you eat and you drink. You're not fasting, you're feasting. So he said to them, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. Pharisees came up with a riddle for Jesus to try to prove. So Jesus tells them a story. And what he's going to do is going to give three illustrations. We just read the first He's going to give three illustrations that he was doing something new. And the first he gives in the story, his ministry was feasting, but the Pharisees wanted fasting. You see, Jesus, his desire at Matthew's house was that all the sinners, was that all the tax collectors came so that they could gorge themselves on the great grace of God that Jesus Christ was offering. But the Pharisees, oh, they wanted fasting. The Pharisees wanted people to struggle under the weight of the law. Unless you look like this, act like this, you can't come to God. Oh, fasting. Jesus is saying, you can't have feasting and fasting going on at the same time. 
Take a look at what else he says in verse 36. Then he spoke a parable to them, a story, a heavenly truth given in an earthly language. And he says this, no one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear, and also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. In other words, he says, why would you rip a new shirt to repair an old shirt? That doesn't make any sense. If you go to Macy's and you buy the new shirt, why would you rip it and uh, uh, fix one that you bought at Target? (laughs) And no one puts new wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. He said, his ministry was like new clothes compared to old ripped clothes. Why would you rip the new one for the old one? You see, when you put on new clothes, and I'm looking at you guys, some of you scored at Christmas. (laughs) New shirts. I saw you sporting your new shoes walking down. <laughs> it looks great. New ties, new sweaters. Yeah, you look great. I just think all, you're just all sporting your new clothes. There's something about wearing new clothes. You even feel like you look better. It's the same old you. But with the new clothes, you feel like even, you know, you've been in the gym or something. Like, I don't know what it does to us. But there's something about new clothes that makes us feel like we're the new and improved us. We're the fresh us. And when Jesus was trying to make it very clear... His ministry is the new and improved. His ministry is the freshness, not the oldness of an old, of a old garment. But then he compares it to wine. His ministry is like new wine as compared to old wineskins. You can't put new wine into old wineskins because the old wineskin would burst. It doesn't have the flexibility to be able to move with the fermentation process. What Jesus is saying, this new wine, There was a new spirit about Jesus. Not condescending and condemning, but one of love, one of joy, one of peace. He wanted people to gorge on the grace of God, but the Pharisees, they thought the grind of religion, the grief of the burden, the grittiness of the toil was the way. And they were struggling. Jesus knew it, Luke chapter 5, verse 39. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new. For he says, the old is better. See, Jesus was aware that not everyone likes new things. But that's exactly what Jesus has for you. He offers you a new you. Let me tell you about this new you. It's a new life that has a new way of looking at things. A new spirit about you that comes with a new attitude. A new commandment which offers a new way of looking at things and looking at people. A new community. A new community of people that exists of every tribe, tongue, and nation. Jesus is offering you a new you. So i got a question for you. Why not put on the new you in the new year? Why not put on the new you in the new year? 
It's Ephesians chapter 4. Would you go there with me? Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to leave Luke chapter 5. We're going all the way over to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to pick it up there in verse 17. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. Let me explain what's going on here in Ephesians chapter 4. People had come to Christ, but they brought their old way of living into their new life. Anyone done done that? I got one honest person in all of 1030. (laughs) Let me raise my hand. Have any of my hands up? Okay. I'm giving you guys a little help here. Okay. Has any of you brought your old way of living into the new life that you have in Christ? Someone's like, yes, me. We, I, I'm, I, I, okay. Yeah, we've all had that thing. Sounds like most of us. Paul's addressing that. Because we've believed the lie that there's a bad habit that we just can't quit. Or a bad attitude that's defined you your whole life. Or maybe a bad behavior that you think is helping you, like anger, because you're so bitter, but it's actually hurting you. And this is what's happening in the church. Jesus offers a new life, but they brought their old way of living into their new life. So in Ephesians chapter 4, take a look, we'll pick it up in verse 20. But you've not so learned Christ. If indeed you've learned him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. He says, listen, you didn't learn bad things from Jesus. You didn't learn anything bad from Jesus. No, no, that's not who Jesus is. You may learn bad things from the world. You may learn bad things from the devil. You may learn bad things from a previous lifestyle. But listen, let me explain something. You learn the truth from Jesus. And let me tell you what truth does. Truth sets you free from bad habits. Truth sets you free from bad attitudes. Truth sets you free from bad behaviors. Jesus even prayed this for you. Take a look at John 17, 17. Sanctify, set them free, give them new life by your truth. Your word is truth. You see, Jesus has new life for you. And what Paul does is explain to us how we can have this new life. Look, if you would, as we continue there in verse 22. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which goes corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. There's the part we don't like about new things. It's going to take some effort on your part. Did you read the pronoun? You put off. You put on. Did you read it? You put off. You put on. In 2024, we'd all love to have a new body. We'd all love a new body. We'd all like to look something different. Let me tell you why. That's why gyms make so much money in January. We all sign up. And then we quit in February. That's why they make you do a year of commitment because they know you're not going to make it through to March. We all want a new us. But we all hate the process. The new diet. Never eaten broccoli before in my life. 
I mean, when I get hungry, I want to go to In-N-Out. Arby's. And you know how they have like the five for five? Oh, man. The new workout? Why am I sore all the time? I mean, I can't even sit down. It hurts. We all want the new us, but we all hate the process. And he knows that. And he says, you got some work to do. You got to put it off and you got to put it on because our spiritual bodies come the same way. You see, we learn the truth from Jesus. We learn his new way. And when we learn his new way, we make a decision to put off something that's a bad behavior or a bad attitude or a bad conduct. And we choose to put on whatever it is that we learned from Jesus. And what he says is this happens by being renewed in the spirit, the way that you think about things from the truth of Jesus, renewed in the spirit of your mind. In other words, we have a whole new way of the way that we look at things because of the truth that we've learned from Jesus. And the truth that we've learned from Jesus has power attached to it. Let me prove it to you. It's Mark chapter 1. Then they were all amazed. Calvary Chapel, South Bay. Then they were all amazed... So that they questioned among themselves, saying, what is this? What a new doctrine is this? So they're sitting in church listening to Jesus preach, and they're just wowed. For with authority, he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Let me tell you something about the little demons inside of all of us. Now, I'm not saying that Christians can be possessed. I'm using it as a metaphor. Listen, let me tell you something about... I don't want emails. Let me tell you something about all the little demons inside of us. The power of the word of Jesus can rip out our bad attitudes, our bad behavior, and our bad habits. That's the power of the word of Jesus. Now, you may not understand the power of words, so let me help you understand it for just a moment. I go to hospital bedsides all the time. And when I walk in, there is sadness, and I believe that I'm to be an agent of heaven coming into this hospital room. So when I walk in, I read the situation, and I see the misery, I see the disappointment, I see the frustration, and then you know what I'll do? I'll speak the word. I will ask the Spirit of God to give me a word to speak into this situation. And all of a sudden, that misery turns into inexpressible joy. That's the power of the word. If you're a parent, you know the power of the word. This is the power of the word. Go in your room and clean your room. Otherwise, no Christmas this year. That room has never been so clean. You know why? The power of the word. Power of the word. When your teenager wants to use the car and you tell them they can't use the car till the garbage goes out, power of the word. The power of the word can change people's lives. I see it all the time in the lobby when people come. Pastor Chet, you'll never believe what happened. And then they leave with joy because the Spirit spoke to them. That's the power of the word. And the power of the word of Jesus can rip out your bad habits and put in new ones because he's got the power to change us. It's a new life that he offers. Because he's getting us ready for something. It's Mark chapter 14. You'll see it on the screen. Mark chapter 14. Jesus is there sitting in the upper room. It's the last supper. And he takes the cup. And we're going to have communion today. 
He takes the cup and he says, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. For many. There he is in the upper room. And Jesus is initiating something powerful. He's initiating the new covenant. Now, you might not understand what that means, but the disciples did. Because the entire Old Testament, all of the Jews, had been waiting for this new covenant. They knew the world was a mess. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve sinned, and they were being cast out of the garden. The man has wanted to get back in the garden ever since, so much so that the God had to put angels with flaming swords there at the entrance of the Garden of Eden until the flood. He had to put angels there because man always wanted to get back in. We always wanted to get back into communion with God. But because of sin, there was no way to get back. And God made a promise to Eve and said, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head. That's Satan. He's always trying to hurt us. But the seed that comes from the woman shall bruise his heel. Let me tell you, the new covenant was the hope to get back into uh, communication and communion with God. That Satan and sin would be conquered. Listen to what Isaiah says in hope of this new covenant. He says this, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. Look what else Isaiah says. Behold, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You see, this is why John tells us that Jesus came to destroy the work of the enemy in your life. Because God's doing a new thing. And he's leading us to a new kingdom that was initiated with this new covenant. Let me tell you this new thing. This new thing has the power to destroy the work of the devil in your life. Bad habits, bad behaviors, and bad attitudes. Jeremiah, looking forward to this new covenant that Jesus is offering. Listen, Jeremiah prophesied what this new covenant would be. Take a look what he prophesied. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds. I'm going to write it in their hearts. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. From the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Do you know what Jeremiah is telling us about this new covenant? That God would do an internal work within us. Isaiah was looking forward to when the wolf and the lion lay down with the lamb. This new covenant was initiating that process that we could have in a personal relationship with God. No longer would it be just someone saying, you need to know God. Now the Spirit of God is doing an internal work in our minds and in our hearts to give us new life. But then Jesus said something else there in that upper room. It's Mark chapter 14, verse 25. Surely I say to you, 
So he's initiated the new covenant, but now he says, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. He's initiating the new covenant, but he's promising a new kingdom. We haven't experienced that yet. He's initiated the new covenant, but then he promises a new kingdom. Take a look with me at Revelation chapter 21. You're going to love this. Revelation chapter 21. This is the new kingdom. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. No more dumps in the new earth. No more dead things in the new earth. And I don't know if there'll be bacteria, but they won't stink in the new earth. No need for deodorant in the new earth. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea, verse 2. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. This is the kingdom that Jesus was speaking about. Now verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then... He who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write these things down. Write, for these words are true and they are faithful. You seen any wolves lying down with lambs lately? Have you seen a baby leading a lion out of the San Diego Zoo? got a problem here because there's still tears. There's still pain. So that means when Jesus initiated the new covenant, there's a time period until we see the new kingdom. We haven't experienced these things yet because of verse 5. It's at this time that Jesus makes a declaration, behold, I make all things new. He hasn't made all things new yet. The only thing that he has declared that he's making new is you. In this time frame from the new covenant to the new kingdom, he's preparing each and every one of us for that new kingdom. And the declaration that he's made in this season called the church age is that he's making you new. Take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is that declaration from the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you are a Christian, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Jesus hasn't declared that all things should become new yet. There isn't the new kingdom. The thing that he's declared is that you are becoming new. You are a new creation. And you know how you became a new creation? You were born again. You received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. And he has given you a new life. Let me tell you what born again means. You get an official do-over. 
do-overs. I love do-overs. I play pickleball with my kids on Christmas Day. Now, I was exhausted from Christmas Eve. But my kids are all in town. They are playing pickleball. So it was my first time ever, and I creamed them. Oh, (laughs) sorry. A little competitive spirit within me. But we had an event, okay? I hit the ball, and it landed on the line. But one of my kids said, it landed outside. No, it didn't. It landed on the line. (laughs) You began to see a little competitive nature come out of the Lowe family. It landed outside. No, it didn't. And all of a sudden I realized, I hear the Holy Spirit, you're a pastor. (laughs) You're a pastor. So I got control of my competitive nature. And I said, okay, let's let's do a do-over. Now listen, there was nothing in me that wanted to do a do-over because it was costing me. I lost the point because they were cheating. <laughs> Boy, did I whoop them. I whoop them by... T- I, I, and you know what I told them at the end of the game? That's Jesus paying the debt for you cheating. <laughs> a little competitive. Just a little bit. The thing about God's do-overs, there's no cheating involved. The thing about God's do-overs is that it cost him for your sake. He died to give you a do-over, to give you a new life. And right now in this age, we are living in between the inauguration of the new covenant and the consummation of the new age where Christ will rule and reign, but now he rules and reigns, according to Ezekiel, in your heart. This age is called the church, and he's doing something internal inside of you, and he's changing you from the inside out. You see, when Jesus initiated the new covenant by his blood, He introduced us to the new life that he offers. And with this new life come so many new things. It's like when you trade in your car. I love trading in an old car for a new car. Goodbye, crank windows. Hello, electric vehicle. Oh, goodbye, dashboard. Hello, digital beautifulness right in front of you. Oh, goodbye. Remember those annoying beeping sounds? Beep, beep. And, uh, you needed a car uh, oil change. Beep, beep. You don't put your seatbelt on. Beep, beep. Now there's a British man that will say, you need to put your seatbelt on. <laughs> Please, would you change? You can even change the voice. You can change the language if you want. They can speak to you as pleasant as you want them to speak. I love new cars. They come with so many new gadgets. Jesus' new life comes with so many new things. The Jesus model of the new you comes with several new updates for the human experience so that you have an abundant life in this earthly journey. Let me tell you something, and I want to communicate these four things to you. The first he offers is a new life, a whole new life. You don't have to be what you were, you get a whole new life. It's Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Take a look. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in the newness of life. Let me tell you something. Jesus ain't going back to pre-resurrection life. 
His resurrection body's walking through walls. He ain't going back to know just limited by the man part. He's the God-man resurrected from the grave. He's not bringing anything of his past into his future because he rose from the grave. And let me tell you something that this resurrection offers in this new life. We get to do life through him. We get new life for him. And we get new life with him. Let's just dissect that just for a moment. It's 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. The Bible says, we have new life through him. He paid the cost. He paid the penalty. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. That God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live, have abundant life and eternal life through him. Through him. You see, when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord who rose from the grave, he initiates you into new life. So church, i got a question for you. For everyone that's brought the old into the new, why not give him your life this year completely? He's given you new life. Through him you have new life. Why Why not exchange in the old and get the new? Why not get rid of the old car and get all the new gadgets that come with the new life? But not only do we get it through him, we live, we get new life for him. Take a look, if you would, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For the love of Christ compels us. Paul's saying, I am so in love with Jesus. Let me tell you why. Because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then we all died. And he died for all, Jesus, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. We live for him in our new life. He gave his life for us so that we would give our life to him. Christ died our death for us so that we might live for him. Why not surrender, really surrender your new life to him this year. Why not just surrender? Why not just put your hands up and say, Lord, I surrender. I'm giving up on all of these things of my effort, and I'm going to walk into the newness of life that you offer me. But in this new life, he's with us. Would you look at 1 Thessalonians 5? For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, That whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Let me tell you the beauty of the fact in this new life that he's with us. You see, the spirit of Christ is always with us. He's always guiding us into all truth. He's always ministering to us. Listen, remember last week I sang it? He sees you when you're sleeping. Remember? I sang it. I can't believe they gave that credit to Santa when it's Jesus. I told you that last week. He's with you. I'm not with you. When you're doing your little bad habit, I don't know. When you got your little hangry bad attitude, I'm not there. Now, it's amazing when I show up, hey, Pastor Chuck, God bless you. (laughs) And what the Bible is letting us know, he's with you. What a whole new perspective. Jesus, where's the cameras? He's with you. And he's guiding you into all truth, saying, why don't you not do that bad habit this year? Why don't you just drop that bad attitude? 
Um, I'm seeing you. Why don't we just get rid of that bad behavior? Church, why not listen more to his spirit this year than you did last year? See, he offers new life, but not just new life. Oh, he offers a whole new spirit, a whole new way of doing life. It's Romans chapter 7. Would you take a look at the screen? Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ. That's the old life. That you may be married or connected to another, to him who's raised from the dead. You're now connected to Jesus. You're the bride of Christ. That we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, that's the old life, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Who loved, who loved that part? Every decision you made ended up to some worse decision. But now we've been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. The new spirit about us is we get to serve. We get to become more like Christ. Not we have to. Well, I guess we've got to go to church. Well, I guess I've got to go work at kid life. Well, that's the old spirit. But the new spirit, the newness, because we're the bride of Christ, that Jesus gives us in this new life is that we get to serve. And not only is this new spirit about serving, oh, this new spirit is about obedience. Look what Ezekiel tells us. It's Ezekiel chapter 36, speaking of this new spirit. I'll give you a new heart, and I'm putting a new spirit. This is what the new life comes with. It's a, it's a 2.0 upgrade. I'm going to give you, a, put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone, the hardness of bitterness and anger and frustration of your flesh, and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to give you a soft heart of love and joy and peace. I'll put my spirit, this is what the new life gives you, I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. I'm going to make it so that you want to do what I want to do. That's the spirit that he's given you, and you will keep my judgments and do them. You're no longer looking how far is too far. You can't wait to honor God in your relationships. It's a new spirit. It's a new way of looking at things. But not only will his spirit guide you, his spirit will actually help you become the new you. So I got a question for you. Why not trust him this year to give up the old you and become the new you? Why not trust him this year to get rid of that bad attitude? To get rid of that bad behavior? To get rid of that bad habit? He's got the power to help you do it. But not only that, this new life comes with another upgrade, comes with a new direction, a whole new direction. Jesus said it best in John 13. He said this, verse 34. John 13, a new commandment I give to you, a new direction, that you love one another. The disciples are thinking, that's not new. That's all the way back from Leviticus. Now he gives why it's new. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you go to Calvary Chapel South. Excuse me. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What a new direction. To love one another the way that he loves. Do you know what that means? He sacrificed his life for us. 
Why not sacrifice that bitterness this year? Why not sacrifice that anger and that hatred that you have towards the people that you work with or even someone in your family? Why not sacrifice the jealousy, the envy, the, uh, 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 the slander, and the gossip? Why not sacrifice all of that? And why not taste and see that the Lord is good? Because let me tell you something. You might just find that the fruit of the Spirit tastes a lot better than the fruit of the flesh. You might just taste it and go, wow, love is so much better than hatred. Joy is so much better than misery. Peace is so much better than anxiety. He offers this to you with this new direction, this new life. But what I love most of all in this new life, this upgrade, he gives us a new community. A new community. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15. Would you take a look? Having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man, one new body from the two, thus making peace. Do you know we're one in Christ? He says it again in Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Would you stop for just a minute and take a look? Look around, look around. No, no, I, don't look at me. Look around. Look at the people around you. Look at the different hairstyles. Look at the different new clothes. Look at the difference. And at, let me tell you something. At Calvary Chapel South Bay, every tribe, tongue, and nation exists. God in this new life has given us a new community. Do you realize we're the body of Christ? Why not this year become a greater part of the body that you already exist in in the new life? Just imagine if you're the eyeball in the body and you see things that other people don't see. What kind of eyeball comes rolling down the aisle by itself and then sits on the pew? No, the eyeball needs to go in the eye socket so it can help the body. Just imagine if a hand started walking down by itself. It would be weird. Why isolate yourself? Why not engage into the new life with the new community that God has given you? Now, church, I started and I told you everyone likes the smell of a new car. Everyone likes new things. Can I tell you? The new life that Jesus has given you, it's fresh and it's refreshing. Why not put on the new you? It's available for you this year. Would you pray with me? Father, I am so thankful for the great grace of God that you've given us. And Lord, as we stop for just a moment and celebrate communion, where you initiated this covenant, would you minister the truth to us in a way that we receive the the new life that you give us. Jesus' name.
there in the upper room, as our ushers are serving you communion, Jesus, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. He initiated everything we just talked about. He was initiating the opportunity for you to have new life. Let me ask you some questions. Has your bad habit helped you? What about your bad behavior? It's really helped your marriage, I'm sure. What about your bad attitude? You didn't learn these from Jesus. So Jesus, he said, listen, this is the blood of the new covenant. I'm offering you a new life. It's available for you. So before we take communion, I want you, church, to go before the Lord. And I want you to remember the Lord. And I want you to ask His Spirit to show you that bad habit, that bad behavior, or that bad attitude that just needs to change. You've blamed everybody else. Can I tell you something? It's not your parents' fault. You're not a victim. In Jesus, you are victorious. So often in this culture, we blame everybody else but ourselves. We're no different than Adam. It's the woman you gave me. It's the parents you gave me. It's the boss you gave me. It's the, my friends you gave me. It's everyone else's fault. It's not my fault. But Jesus says, I got victory for you in this new life. You don't have to live in that bad habit. It's not helping you. The enemy's lied to you to make you feel like it's helping, but it's actually hurting you. A bad behavior. You didn't learn these things from Christ. So would you take a moment, church? Would you go before the Lord before we take communion? Would you ask the Spirit of God to expose those things that you need to put off so that you can put on something you've learned from Christ? Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.